Good morning, Hope Vale. Will you please stand and join us in worship this morning? Blessed be your name, 
as we get ready this week for all the things that come with Thanksgiving and there's so many blessings and there's so many things that we're thankful for and we're grateful for. God, I also, I, I think of that line in the song, you give and take away. And there's so many people right now in California recovering from the wildfires and Florida who are still recovering from the hurricane. And there's so many people right now, God, that are feeling maybe in that desert place. And so God, we just pray for them. We pray that even in that desert place, they are saying, blessed be your name, God, that they know you are still there for them. And God, as we all maybe gather with our families at Thanksgiving and, and we're saying, blessed be your name because we're in that sunspot, the sun's shining down on us and we're so thankful and we're so grateful. So wherever we are, God, we just, we praise you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Before you have a seat, if you could say hello to someone next to you and there's a lot of things happening this week, so maybe share one of your moments you're most looking forward to, Lions winning, Black Friday shopping, mashed potatoes and gravy, whatever it is. Well, good morning again, everybody. I have no comment on whether or not the Lions are going to win on Thursday or not, okay? No comment whatsoever. Hey, we're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale. And if you can believe it or not, so Thanksgiving is this week, which also means we are wrapping up Operation Christmas Child as a church this morning. And if you just had a moment of panic that, hey, I, I filled a box, but I forgot it at home, uh, you could still drop that off today between 1 and 3 o'clock right here at Hopevale Saginaw or tomorrow morning between 10 and noon, also right out front. Um, but just, I want to express just a word of thanks to you guys as a church for your willingness to participate in this project and just how incredible of an opportunity it is, you know, that we have to fill gifts for kids that go all around the world as a way to just share the love and the joy uh, of Christ with kids and their entire families, families and communities. And as a church right now, you know, we're still bringing in a lot, a lot of boxes this morning, but I know well over a thousand boxes have come in so far, and that's, that's a lot of impact made around the world. So thank you guys so much. You know, um, these are just incredible ways that God gives us the opportunity to, to share the good news of who Jesus is with others. And uh, in a moment, uh, we're going we're gonna to pray actually for the young girl between five and nine years old who is going to receive this box, right? And when you think about just all of the other boxes out there and all of the kids and the communities that that represents, who's going to hear the gospel, that is exciting stuff. So again, thank you guys for being a part of that. Uh, so as we continue in worship this morning, I want to invite the ushers to come forward and, and again, just talk for a moment about um, these opportunities that we have as a church to contribute in so many different ways to share the love of Christ with those who so desperately need to know him. And so thanks for your support of this church, for ministries like Operation Christmas Child, and just the many, many other ways that you contribute for the sake of the gospel here at Hopeville. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for just this morning and the chance to be together, to gather together as your people and worship your name. And God, thanks just for this opportunity that we've had as a church to fill shoeboxes for kids around the world. 
And Lord, though, though we can't even, uh, we don't even know who is gonna receive these boxes or the impact that it's gonna have. Lord, we know that you already know every name, every face who's gonna receive these boxes and the impact that it's going to have on their lives for eternity. And so God, as we, as we give, just give us that perspective, God, that, that we are doing this so that your name would be made great here on earth as it is in heaven. God, and it is a privilege to be able to do that together. And so encourage our hearts as we contribute towards the work of your kingdom. And so God, we give uh, just all of those boxes to you. Pray your hand of blessing on each and every box and the person who's going to receive it. Uh, Lord, that it would make an incredible impact on their lives and their communities for the gospel. Uh, God, we give the rest of this service to you and just want to express how much we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can remain seated as we continue in worship. And this next song we're going to do is one that our worship pastor kind of referred to as sort of an anthem song for Hopevale because it's one that if you come here, you hear a lot and, and, and just sing it with our whole heart. And I just encourage you as we sing it again today to really think about those lyrics. And uh, when, when we think of all the blessings and all the things we're going to be thankful for this week, and, and, and there might be some people that are struggling because they really miss someone who's not going to be there this year. And maybe they're just in a, in a place that's really tough. And so if we can just be reminded that it's his breath in our lungs. And that's why we praise him. He gives us life. And that's why we praise him. He gives us love, so much love. And that's why we praise him, that we just, we can't even contain our praise. And so I just encourage all of you as we sing it today to, to really feel that and hear that and just know that he's such a, a great God and, and we just can't even help, can't even help but give him our praise because we're so thankful for what he's given us. And Gary's going to lead us. Won't you enter in with me in deep worship this morning?
Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. seated. So once a month as a church family, we celebrate communion together as a church. And we do this to remember Jesus's death on the cross on our behalf. And one of the lines that we just sang in that song was about how Jesus brings light to the darkness. Jesus brings light to the darkness. And it got me thinking, and I have a question for us, like, could you imagine living in a world that was devoid of light? if we just lived in complete and utter darkness all the time. That's, that's hard to think about because we have the benefit of knowing what life looks like with light. You know, but I picture, I mean, what if we were all just stumbling around in the dark all the time, stepping on Legos that are left out on the floor? Like, it's, it's not a pretty picture, and that's, that's a very, you know, light way of putting what that would potentially look like. But here's the reality of it. You know, we can illustrate the idea of living in a world of darkness in, in the physical sense like that. But the reality is, is there's also a spiritual light and a spiritual darkness. Spiritually, Jesus is the light and the darkness is sin or a life lived apart from Jesus. You know, a first century man named John, who was one of Jesus' first followers, he wrote this and he said, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So there are three spiritual truths from that passage, and they would be this that if you want to walk in the light, 
Jesus is the way. If you want fellowship with others, Jesus is the way. And if you want to be purified from sin, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer to the problem, that the, the spiritual darkness problem that we all have in our lives. So the light of Jesus illuminates a path for us to true life. When Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins, it was his blood that paid the penalty for our sin. And there, there is nothing that you or I could do to accomplish that on our own. It's only through what Jesus did on the cross for us that we can experience the forgiveness of our sins. And, and our only responsibility in this is to confess that we are sinners, that without Jesus, we live in spiritual darkness, and we have to ask him to take away our sin. We have to look to him as our savior, as the answer to that problem that we all have. And so as we come to the table to eat the bread and drink the cup, reminders of Jesus's broken body and his shed blood for us, we wanna, we wanna do that uh, by letting the light of Jesus shine on any dark places that we have in our lives. We want to invite him to shine the light over any darkness in our lives. And so we want to confess those things to him so that the work that he's already done for us on the cross can continue to work itself out powerfully in our lives as we desire to become more and more like our Savior. And so here at Hopevale, as we prepare to take communion, you don't have to be a member of this church to participate. Uh, all that we ask is that you are a follower of Jesus the way that the Bible describes it. You know, that you have come to that place of placing your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus and the work that he accomplished for you on the cross. Uh, and so the flip side of that is if you've not come to that place of recognizing Jesus as your savior, we would ask that you not participate. And we only say that because we don't want this to be an empty ritual or something that you do that doesn't have uh, the personal significant meaning that it has for those who have placed their faith in Christ. And the same would apply for uh, parents with any kids in the room. You know, we trust that you know their hearts on that if they've come to a place uh, of putting their faith in Christ or not. Again, we, we don't say all of these things to single anybody out or make them feel excluded from participating because the truth is what Jesus did on the cross is for everybody. He did it so that we could all respond to that by placing our faith, our hope, and our trust in him as our savior. And so if you have not placed your faith in Christ, there is an open invitation for you to do that today right now between you and your heavenly father to maybe for the first time say, God, I, I am a sinner. I, I, I understand that there's this spiritual darkness that I live in apart from you and to confess that to God and to invite him to be your personal savior today. That invitation is open to anybody who might want to cross that line of faith this morning. Uh, so as we consider those things, I want to invite the ushers to come forward as they prepare to uh, pass uh, the bread to us. And so uh, as they come, let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And I would just encourage us to take a moment to uh, consider our lives 
and to let the light of Jesus shine over our lives and illuminate any dark places that we might have in our lives and to confess that to him so that his, his life and his presence can become more and more uh, just infiltrated in our lives so that we can be better reflections of him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come uh, before your throne and the table of remembrance as we take this bread and this cup to remember the, the ultimate sacrifice that you paid. God, as you uh, lived a perfect, sinless life here on this earth so that you could be the, the once and for all sacrifice that uh, accomplished the forgiveness of sins. So God, as we take the bread, we want to just uh, remember the incredible pain the sacrifice, the death that you took upon yourself in our place. And God, we just want to tell you, thank you for doing that for us. And so Lord, this morning, as part of that, we want to reflect on our lives and confess to you uh, any areas of sin and darkness that there are in our lives, God, that you, because of what you've already done on the cross, that you would remove any sense of guilt or shame that we might have associated with that so that we can live fully for you the way that you intended us to. God, we thank you for your body broken on the cross for us. In Jesus' name.
So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, next, as you took the cup and poured it out for the disciples as a symbol of your shed blood on the cross. God, it's that perfect and holy blood that was shed that erased our sin. And so God, thank you for shedding your blood for us to do for us what we could not, what we cannot do for ourselves. And so God, we just want to today look to you once again as our savior and say thank you for shedding your blood on the cross so that we could be forgiven. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
So in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God, we just come humbly before you this morning. We just want to tell you thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you have done for us. And may we live our lives in a way that's worthy and honor of what you have done for us. God, that out of the gratitude of our heart, we would just live fully for you the way that you have intended us to live with freedom, with joy, with happiness, and with the light of Christ shining through our lives. So God, thank you for your love for us. We love you. And we pray that uh, throughout the rest of today and this week, as we reflect on all the things that we're thankful for, God, that you would be at the top of that list and that more and more daily we would become more like our Savior. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here. So glad that we can share communion together, this rich um, ordinance that Jesus has passed down to us through the centuries that reminds us that we not only belong to him, but that we belong to each other. I want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City as well. Great to have you on board. Before we get to the message, I uh, want to tell you about Christmas at Hopevale. Christmas is coming up, that when we get on the other side of Thanksgiving this week, we will begin a new Christmas series entitled Heaven on Earth. We're going to kick that off on the 25th of November, and then that's going to run through four weeks up to the 16th of December. And then that following weekend, we will have five identical Christmas services Two on Sunday night, the 23rd at 5 and 7 p.m., and three on the 24th, Christmas Eve, that's Monday, 1, 3, and 5 p.m. Again, the services are identical. We'll have programming for kids' birth through pre-K. We will not, just take note of this, have services the morning of the 23rd, so you'll want to note that, but five starting that night and into the next day. And, you know, as we approach the Christmas season, we'd just love for you to plan and to pray with us. Plan on your involvement and the services you'll be coming and pray just for our reach. These by far are the most attended services of the year. They're our biggest reach into the community where we have the opportunity to share just the hope that Jesus has for everyone, and how Christmas truly is the story of heaven coming down to earth. So we're looking forward to that. That starts next week. But today, I want to pick up where we left off last week in the series that we're calling Contagious Generosity. 
contagious generosity, this idea that amazing things happen in the lives of other people and ourselves when we are generous with what God has entrusted into our care. Our main passage last week came from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 25, when the incredibly wise King Solomon said that a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves, right? That generosity in life is a win-win proposition. It not only refreshes and blesses the recipient, but it also refreshes and prospers the giver. And when we say prospers, we're talking about a holistic, transcendent, enriching way that comes when we live life open-handed in love instead of tight-fisted in fear. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's the encouragement. So how do we get there? Well, last week we talked about two principles. Let me just share those as review really quick. That first of all, it doesn't matter how much or how little we have. Anyone can become a generous person. That we need to make sure we understand that generosity and expressing that to others isn't just limited to people who have more than us. That you have to reach this certain kind of income level before you can start being generous. Because the invitation to generosity isn't about how much we have. Rather, it's what we do with what we have. Anyone, you, me, all of us can become a more generous person. And then second, becoming a generous person doesn't happen by accident or overnight. We must practice generosity on purpose. That generosity is more than just a noble value, that generosity is more than just the good feelings it engenders in us. No, generosity is action, right? We express generosity when we actually give something to someone else, share our resources, our possessions, our time, our talents, our treasures, right? And so we need a plan for that, not just how it strikes us in the moment. We become more generous on purpose, and as we work out the plan we have for us. Now, towards the end of last week, I talked more specifically in purposeful generosity as it relates to monetary giving to the Lord through the local church. And we do that both as an act of worship and in support of the ministries here at Hopewell to help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to take that conversation we ended last week and Take it even further as it relates to giving to the Lord here at Hopewell. Now, before we dive into the message, let me just say this. Every once in a while, and those of you who are part of Hopewell know that there are times we have what I call these listen-in, listen-up kind of messages, right? Listen-in, listen-up. So, uh, you know, listen-in is a recognition that we have some people here today who are newer to Hopewell, Right? As a matter of fact, this might be your first Sunday with us, and you're sitting there right now thinking, great, I finally, you know, muster up the strength, the courage, whatever, to go visit Hopewell to check it out, and the very first Sunday I come, they're talking about money and giving, right? Wow, great luck, right? Well, I'm sorry about that, but just kinda, and let me tell you why. See, if I were in your shoes and I was thinking about a church where I wanted to sink my roots, you know, by the way, the Bible teaches that church isn't just a place to attend, it's a people to belong to. 
And so if I'm going to sink my roots in a place and call it my church home, I would want to know answers to questions like, what's their attitude about money? How do they handle their finances? Can I trust them with my giving? Now, those aren't the only questions I'd want to find out, but somewhere along the line, I would want to know the answers to that. And so if you are newer to Hopewell, I invite you to listen in as we have a church family talk. But then for the rest of us who do call Hopewell our church home, I say listen up. Listen up, because we're going to approach this sensitive subject of money and giving, but we're going to do it as a family talk. As a matter of fact, some of the things I'm going to share today are are new for a Sunday morning. Now, they're not new to us entirely. We share things like this at our church business meetings. We share things like this through our church giving letters. So it's not a matter of changing our approach. It's just a matter of being open and honest with where we are and how you as a church family can participate. So with that in mind, I want to begin today by sharing another passage from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, this book of God-given wisdom and the practicalities of life. So here's uh, King Solomon teaching us, and let me just say this, that in my two plus decades of pastoral ministry, this is the first time ever on a Sunday morning that I'm teaching this verse, okay? First time ever, which means one of two things. Either it's going to go really well or it's going to bomb totally, okay? So you're going to see you're going to see it in all its glory. I'm hoping for the former. The latter could happen. I don't know. So let's just give a shot at it. So with that kind of setup, here we go. This is also Proverbs chapter 11. So here's King Solomon, this incredibly wise man. And he says this, verse 1, Proverbs 11, that the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Now, some some of you might be wondering, what? Dishonest scales, accurate weights, what in the world does this have to do with money and giving at Hopewell? Well, let me dive into what I think Solomon's getting at, and I I believe, I really do, it's going to make some sense for you. And to do this, I need you to travel back in time with me, okay? We're going to go way back to Uh, the ancient Middle East, and picture this bustling market, okay? And you've got, you know, it's kind of like Aladdin or something like that, right? Where you have all these makeshift tented booths with vendors selling their wares. And it could be anything from fabric and tapestry and rugs, perfumes, jewelry, or, or meat, fish, produce, spices, right? All these booths, all this bustle, sight, sound, smell, all of it's happening, right? And and, and, and by the way, you go there, there's no posted prices because that's not how it works. Everything's about haggling and bartering as the custom of the culture. And so there you are, you're this modern Middle East, modest Middle Eastern peasant because most people that day didn't have a lot of means, you know, barely two shekels to rub together in your name. But there you are, you're preparing a meal for your family, and you go to the butcher, the meat merchant. You, you go to buy some meat, and he selects the meat. You tell him how much you want, and he brings out that two-pan scale. Can you picture that, right? The, the bar and the pans on each side. And so you ask for a certain quantity of meat, let's say lamb, and he sets it on there, and then he grabs these weights to put on the other pan. 
so it balances off. He gives you the price, you pull out the shekels, you pay him, you take your meat, you say thank you and go, and deep down inside you're wondering, now did I really get the amount I wanted and what I asked for, right? Is this actually what I paid for? Were those scales honest or dishonest? Were those weights accurate or inaccurate? They favor the merchant. Did they, um, you know, shortchange me? Because here's the thing. That's way back in time when Solomon wrote around 900 B.C., give or take. But regardless of the culture, regardless of the era, there have been and will always be people trying to pull a fast one and make a quick buck, right? I mean, really, that's the way it works with money, even, you know, if it means using deception and dishonesty. So we might no longer visit the meat merchant or the spice merchant or the bustling Middle Eastern market, but guess what? We go to the used car dealer, we go to the mechanic, we go to the mortgage lender, we go to the weight loss supplement uh, salesperson, and by the way, if you're in any one of those industries, I'm not singling you out, I'm just coming up with examples, right? But you pay for the service and you're wondering, are they giving me a fair shake? Are they trying to rip me off, right? See, in our day and age, that goes on. Not only that, and I wish this weren't the case, the same is true with churches and ministries. Is my giving to the Lord being handled properly? Is it really making a difference like they're telling me? Or is it being misused, misappropriated, mishandled? Is it being stolen? I mean, I, you can pretty much guarantee that every year, once a year, as you're watching the news or reading online or in the newspaper, there will be a local story in mid-Michigan about some church and a money scandal, how the pastor was misappropriating funds for his own use, how that sweet, innocent church treasurer has been skimming off the top for years, or how some church members are suing other church members over a piece of property, over a building. It happens, right? So sad, but so true. So here's what I want you to know about Hophel, going back to Proverbs 11, verse 1, that the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. And you need to know that this phrase here, the Lord detests, scares me to death scares me to death. Here's Solomon dipping into the, the Old Testament Hebrew language, and he couldn't pick a stronger word than detest. Right? Intense hatred, white-hot anger. These things rouse the Lord's anger, right? I mean, the word detest isn't a wrist slap. It is a knockout punch, and so whether it's here at church or whether it's in your own place of business and you are dealing with trusting customers, we cannot, we must not be the kind of people who mess with others in a dishonest and deceptive way when it comes to matters of money. I mean, we might think we're getting away with something, but you read a passage like this and you, you realize that nothing escapes the Lord's notice and that he doesn't mess around. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but... Accurate weights find favor with him. In other words, the little things matter. 
They really do. The little things are the opportunity to glorify or to dishonor God. And he is greatly pleased when we're honest with others in our financial dealings everywhere. And that's not just true in the church. It's also in our place of business, our work, and in our homes, right? And the reason, you know, this is so pleasing. Well, actually, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this. And the Bible paraphrased the message, right? Proverbs 11, 1, here's how he puts it. He says, God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. That's a great paraphrase, right? He loves it when business is above board. He loves it when churches are above board. He loves it when people are above board. And why does the Lord love it? Because that's the way he is. Now, the God we've been worshiping today is a God of honesty and truth and righteousness and integrity. And so when we treat others that way in our financial dealings, we are giving them a glimpse of the God that we worship. See, I want you to know that as senior pastor of this church and one of the 12 members of our board of elders, that we take this stuff seriously. We really do, that above all else, we value things like honesty and integrity and confidentiality when it comes to giving to the Lord here at Hopewell. And so, I mean, here's the thing. After all, if I'm going to stand up here last week and this week and urge you to become more generous in your giving to the Lord here at Hopewell, then you need to know that we are striving to do our best to be trustworthy in all matters, out of respect to you, but also out of respect to the Lord. Now, saying that we value this is one thing, but for us, it's not just about talking the talk. We also want to walk the walk. And I want to tell you, you know, a few ways that we do that around here. Honesty, integrity, confidentiality in action. So first of all, you need to know that your giving to the Lord here at Opel is confidential. It's con- we, this one has been a big one for us for years because we don't want to treat people differently or be tempted to treat people differently on the basis of what they give. So I don't, none of the pastors, none of the elders know, knows anything about your personal financial giving history. That is solely Uh, up to our finance department, right? Not only that, but in our financial matters, we have many checks and balances in place. So no one has singular and unlimited access to the checkbook. We have multiple sign-off and approval steps and major purchases every month. Our finance team reviews the monthly ministry expenditures, and I don't or anyone else on staff do we set our own salary, right? All the compensation is figured out by our board of elders. Nine of 12 Members of our board are elders, are, are non-employee members, just like you, right? Again, above board. Then even beyond that, we have a CPA, an outside CPA who audits our books annually. You may not know this, but churches aren't required to have audits. They're not required to have outside eyes looking at their books, but we want to do that as a step of integrity. And so every year, A CPA firm out of Grand Rapids that specializes in churches makes the trip down to Saginaw, spends a week with us, pours over our books, interacts with our finance department, and every year they've issued an approved certified financial audit and a statement of right practices for us. Why? Because we're like, here, take a look at our books. Here they are. We got nothing to hide. And then this other one, too, is something newer to us in the last couple of years. We're accountable through an organization called ECFA, the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability. This is the premier financial standards group in the United States when it comes to 
um, guidelines for best practices with Christian ministries and churches. And so they look at things like church governance. They look at things through um, internal financial practices and controls about, you know, acting in the best interest of the giver, things like that. And so we affiliated with them a couple years ago because, again, we invite accountability. I, I should say this, too, about the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability, that even if you are giving to ministries outside of Hopel, look for that, right? Look for people who invite accountability. Sad but true, not every ministry does, right? but we do. And these are just a few ways that we really try to honor the spirit of Proverbs 11.1, 1, to not just talk the talk, but to also walk the walk, because the fast is, fact is we do want you to be generous. We do, and you're giving to the Lord through the local church here at Hopevale. And so we want you to know that to the best of our ability, that we will be above board in what you give, no matter the amount. So that is our foundation, right? It's one of honoring God through financial integrity because you need to know that when you give to the Lord, it helps meet our needs and it helps to further the ministries of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Helps meet needs, it helps further our mission. Now first, needs. I want to just speak very frankly about needs with you. You know, last month we discovered something in our Find Your Fit series about serving that to a lot of people who walk through these doors, it, it, it feels like everything is running smoothly, everything is covered, that we have no serving needs, and so there really isn't a place to make a contribution of your time and your talents, right? Now, let me be clear that the staff and the volunteers who are already serving do a tremendous job, but what you see, boy, there is so much more room for people to serve to give, to improve and to grow our ministries, right, in building up one another in the faith here and then reaching beyond the four walls of our church. And it was great to see your response last month with that. Well, if the same is true with the stewardship of our time and our talents, I'd say the same is true with the stewardship of our treasure, right? That just because you, you walk in the doors here and it feels like everything's running smoothly, that we're not the kind of church where I'm up here every week making these urgent financial pleas, that you might conclude that we have no needs. But I'm here to tell you we do. I'm here to tell you that your giving here can be used and is needed as well. That we, as this community of grace and truth, inviting other people to know and follow Jesus with us. We would love for everyone who calls Hopefield their church home to give to the Lord through the local church. Why? To support the ministries of Hopefield and to help us to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. So before I tell you how you can do that, um, I want to share with you how the money works around here. And, and, and I wanted to do this in a way that it's, you know, not too, like, over a lot of our heads, because, you know, sometimes my eyes glaze over, too, when it comes to this. So I'm going to bust out the charts and the graphs, okay? Three, all, three in total. But I was thinking about this. Don't you think that Thanksgiving week is a great time for pie charts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's all downhill from here. Okay, so let's take a look, right? 
Um, where does the money go? How is it used here? Well, um, you can see here, we, we've broken down uh, our spending in five different categories. The largest is personnel, salary, wages, benefits, uh, social security, insurance, uh, tax, things like that. It's 51%, just a shade over half of our budget. Uh, we've done the research and we understand that churches our size, that percentage is anywhere from 45 to 65%, so we feel pretty good that it's on the lower end. 8% uh, goes to ministry programs, that's kids, um, students, adults, welcome, worship, things like that. Outreach and missions, supporting missionaries, uh, energizing local projects is 12% of our budget. Operations, that's um, taking care of the building, heat, uh, electricity, utilities, things like that is 12%. And then 17% of our budget is our monthly mortgage payment on this building that we started back in 2010. Now here's a really great story. When we built this building, uh, beyond the generous giving of this church, was which was just under a shade of $3 million, we took, also took on a $4.8 million mortgage. That's back in 2010. In eight years, we've gone from $4.8 million to now we're at about $2.6 million, which is incredible. That's like half paid off already, again, through your incredible generosity. So this is where the money goes. Um, and then second, this is how the money comes in. And it's interesting to see these two because this is regular Sunday morning giving through the offering plate and then regular ministry giving online. You can see those are about 50-50, right? I, you know, they're about equal 1.4 million, 1.3 million. Then beyond that, last year's Christmas outreach offering, which was uh, encouraged to help launch Bay City was huge last year at 346000 And then a couple others, too, that there are uh, some in our church who have given very generous stock gifts, and that goes to the 99000 and 61000 This is mission trip giving, so this is above and beyond what we already give to missions, but that when we send out teams and people give to support those trips, that's there as well. So it's really great to see. Now, um, what you need to understand with Hopel Saginaw and Hopel Bay City, we operate out of one checkbook, right? One church, two locations, two locations, one checkbook. And so the spending is the same and the giving comes in that way. Now, here's the last graph I want to share with you as well. And this is a bar graph, and this is where we are right now. So that uh, this, so far into our uh, budget, we, we were shooting for $1.2 million. Our giving right now is at about a million, and we've got a $200,000 gap. So giving has been really solid. You've been generous, but not quite where the elders thought it would be. And it was part of this, again, is launching Bay City, and we're figuring things out, and we're getting our feet underground, and it's great there, but we still have a need here. And we wanted to share that with you. We see this shortfall. It's not a panic for us, but it's a problem. It's a need, and we wanted to be honest with you about that need. And so the three graphs of how the giving comes in, how the giving's used at Hopel, where we are right now. So what does all that mean and what can you do? Well, let me just start by telling you about how you can give at Hopel. And a lot of you already know this, but just quickly, there are four different ways that you can give at Hopel. And here it is, that first of all, um, you can... Okay, I, I was going to make some comment about the light bill and all that, but uh, this is good, so. 
You can't make this stuff. I told you it was either going to be really great or a total bomb, right? Okay, so um, a lot of giving through our website, hopehell.org, and our give tab takes you to uh, our website. You can give through our mobile app. You can request giving envelopes at uh, the Welcome Center on both campuses or at our church office. And then there's just the regular offering plate giving that happens as well. And like I said before, you know, it all goes into one bank account, but we encourage Hopevale Saginaw worshipers to designate Hopevale Saginaw giving. We de- uh, ask Hopevale Bay City people to designate Hopevale Bay City giving. You also can give to our building fund, which helps accelerate the pay down of our mortgage. And again, I told you about that great progress. And again, just different ways that you can give at Hopevale. But here's where the rubber meets the road. And this is the church family talk. And again, if you're visiting, this is just a listen in, but if you're part of our congregation, this is listen up because uh, I have two challenges for you. Okay, two challenges. One is about your ongoing giving and the other is about the immediate need we have. So first, the ongoing giving challenge. And again, we're not the kind of church that's gonna tell you that you have to give. Right, last week we saw from 2 Corinthians that's ultimately between you and the Lord. But here's the challenge. We want everyone who calls this their church home, we want you to consider giving to Hopevale on a regular basis. That if you've been coming at least a year, you've sunk roots, you said, yeah, Hopevale is my church home. We want everyone who calls this their church home to consider giving to Hopevale on a regular basis. Last fall, Um, or in September, we had this series called Engage. See, last month was about engaging through service and the use of your time and your talents to engage with the ministry of the church. This is about the use of your treasures and engaging with the Lord and the work here. And so if you are not giving on a regular basis and Hopevale is your church home, I wanna encourage you to take that step. And if you are giving, thank you for doing that. And like I said last week, prayerfully consider if you're right where the Lord needs you to be or if there's something more that you can do. This is the ongoing giving challenge that we just want everyone to think about, right? To pray, to consider, and then to act on, right? As a way of engaging with the work of the church. So you can go to our website, you can stop by the church office today. Uh, After the service here in Saginaw, we've got Paul Miller, our executive pastor, Amy Ryan, our director of finance and operation out in the lobby after both services to have that conversation. And Tamara Schlatter, who's part of our financial staff, will be out in Bay City as well and uh, able to talk as well. Just open conversations about a step you can take as part of this ongoing giving challenge. Then the other challenge that I have for you is our immediate need. It's that shortfall I mentioned earlier. So let me walk you through what your next week and a half is going to look like, right? As far as I can tell, and I look at the calendar, there's Thanksgiving Thursday, there's Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, there's something called Cyber Monday, and then there's also something called Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. Maybe you've heard of that. Giving Tuesday is a push by uh, charities and nonprofits, you know, urging you, compelling you to give to their cause and highlighting their needs. Well, as Giving Tuesday rolls around, we want you to consider Hopevale as well and the needs we have. So here's our immediate need challenge, that we would like those in the church, you know, it's part of our church family, we would love for you to think about and to make an over and above gift to Hopevale of $25 or more 
on Giving Tuesday. So that's a week from this Tuesday on the 27th, right? We're going to make a Uh, an ask. We're going to send out an email later this week telling you more about this ask. But boy, we were thinking about this, right? This is not about tapping on the shoulder of one big donor. This is about sharing the need with the entire church family and asking if you can do something that would be great. Because if you think about literally the hundreds of people uh, who call Hofelder Church home, if they can make a small donation, we can make a huge debt in that shortfall. We can continue to just provide the wonderful ministries we have to men, women, boys, girls, couples, families, singles, right? All ages, all stages of life. And so as part of Giving Tuesday, we want to issue that challenge. So the ongoing giving challenge and the immediate need challenge. That's a lot, You've taken in a lot today as a church family, so I'm just going to wrap things up this, both the message and this series, and I want to do it in three ways. I want to say a thank you, I want to tell a story, and I want to share a scripture with you. So first of all, here's the thank you. Thank you for being the kind of church that we can have talks like this, right? That you're open to hearing about it, that you're saying, sure, we're part of the church family, and Every once in a while, like I said last week, this is what healthy families do. I also want to say thank you to those of you who, who give to Hope Val. See, I already know that this is a generous church, a sacrificial church. We wouldn't be where we are without you just responding to the Lord and wanting to honor him in every area of your life, including this financial one, so thank you. Now, the story I want to share isn't my story. It's actually a story we told a couple weeks ago as part of Baptism Sunday. We showed videos of testimony in Saginaw and Bay City. This is one we showed at the 1115 service. It's a minute, but it's a story of life change, one of many stories that we heard that Sunday. Let's take a look. Everything was going fine before I met Christ, but it was one of those things where I always kind of felt like something was missing. You know, I had the job and the friends and the family and the house and everything. And I remember sitting in my boss's office, like not that long ago, and saying, you know, like, why am I not happy? There's just something that I'm not happy with. And he was the one that was like, you need a relationship with God and, you know, you need to find some sort of religion and some sort of someone to pray to. And he never pushed anything on me and I just kind of became obsessed a little bit with just learning about Christ. And so that's kind of how I met him and then just having that relationship with him. I am so excited to learn more about Christ and about religion. I'm, you know, I'm new. I can't quote Bible verses, and, but I am just really excited to learn. And I love learning about it and all the things that he's doing for me, the things that I see and the things that I can't see and the things that'll happen. I'm just really excited for all that's to come. I love that we can be the kind of church that for those in life who feel like something's missing, we have something substantial to give them. Jesus, the Savior that we've worshiped through communion today. I mean, to be honest, today isn't a money talk, it's a mission talk. It's about investing in the things that matter most, the things that God wants to see happen. And so that's why in this passage, and I'll close with this, 
This is the Apostle Paul giving advice to his ministry protege, Timothy, about how to talk to the church about money. This is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, command them. Command the church to what? To do good. To be rich in good deeds. Rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. That's what you want the church to do. That's who you want the church to be. Because when that happens in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. Treasure that lasts forever. As a firm foundation for the coming ages so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I want to be the kind of church that does good. I want us to be the kind of people who are rich in good deeds, who are generous and willing to share. Why? So that we may take hold of the life, the real life in Jesus Christ that is truly life. Let's be a generous church. And let's pray together. God, thank you that communion is a celebration of the ultimate expression of generosity. Your son, his life, for our guilt, for our sin, and for our shame. And that because of this outpouring of generosity, we're invited into new life, forgiven life, abundant life, eternal life. And now all you ask is for us to pay it forward so that others may be invited into the life that is found in Jesus. God, I do thank you for this church. Thank you for the generous hearts, for the expressions of giving that have brought us through the years, through the decades, and now here we are with new challenges before us in carrying out this mission to invite even more people to know and follow Jesus with us. And so God, speak to us what our part is, what our expression of generosity is so that we can be those kind of people, that we can be this kind of church, a church of contagious generosity. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we respond, I'm gonna ask that you stand and as we sing this song of worship together. Deep.
Yes. We sing a song like that, and sometimes I want to just substitute the eyes with the we's. Lord, we want to go wherever you lead us, and that we would be that kind of church. So next week, we'll begin our Christmas series. The room will be turned over, and we'll be entering into that mood, heaven on earth. Wonderful series. Pastor Sam's going to kick that off for us. But as you go from here, may you have a blessed Thanksgiving and may God give you an overflowing heart of gratitude for all his good gifts to you. God bless you.